Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And welcome to episode 49. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the psychology of crisis. Uh, recently, Dr. Henry Cloud put on a webinar for spiritual leaders, and it was about the psychology of crisis and how to lead people well and be a church that offers healing. And so I learned a ton about how we tend to respond psychologically in a crisis um, this is obviously the COVID-19 crisis, and mm-hmm. uh, I thought this was really helpful to me. I think it'll be helpful to all of us as we talk about what goes on in us uh, in times of crisis and how we can help each other flourish. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like it's like a diagnostics tool, almost. Yeah, a little bit like that, and, and just some wisdom, some mm-hmm. some practical, very practical, helpful tips. Nice. Yeah, so... Um, Before that, though, it yeah. is Joker story time. It is. And it's your turn. It is my turn, and I thought I would tell you, John, about uh, because I look forward to the day when you have the birth of your first child, Mm -hmm. I'll tell you about the birth of our first child, which would be your sister, Julie. So, um, uh, let's see. I think I'm 22 years old, and Sue's 23. I wanted to say that's right. That's weird to think, being older than my parents were when they had their first kid. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And anyway, we had gone to a high school playoff basketball game uh, to see my high school alma mater uh, play in the state basketball playoffs. And so we went to that game, got home about 1030 at night. I was exhausted. She's exhausted. I plop on the bed and I hear her say from the restroom, my water just broke. And I'm like, oh, man. (laughs) So we pack up our stuff. We head to the hospital. How far was the drive? Uh, 20 minutes and and this hospital medical city dallas is where four of the five children in our family were born um it's also where same my, doctor same doctor wow yeah, yeah. wonderful guy uh real strong catholic guy would not prescribe birth control this guy was awesome Whoa. anyway um so we get there to the hospital like you know eleven thirty. And Julie's not born till 5 30 p.m the next day Jeez. so it was a marathon really really a marathon hardest thing i've ever gone through (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure it was grueling oh yeah Uh, well you know sue they give her these medicines and she's like sleeping in between contractions and i'm sitting there you know eating chips yeah (laughs) yeah i think i had four snicker bars and man poor guy yeah it was rough anyway (laughs) at that particular hospital uh they had these birthing rooms with a bathroom in between them. So each two birthing rooms would share a bathroom. Mm. And um, because we were there so long, three different women came and went oh. in the other adjoining birthday birthing room and That's had their torture. babies. That's like in a restaurant. You're like, they just got here. How'd they get their food? I know. <laughs> it was not fair. However, they were all three screamers. Oh. And it started to terrify me because Sue wasn't <laughs> screaming or anything at this point. And the first gal in there, she is, she's just screaming bloody murder. Man. Then she went in the restroom where she's even closer to us. There's one door between us now, and she is sitting on the toilet. And this is what she sounds like. <laughs> she was going. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then she screams out, somebody help me. It's like a horror movie. Oh, I'm telling you, man, I, because I've never, you know, we've never had a child. I'm just like, when is my wife going to turn into these wild screaming banshees? Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was really fascinating. Sue never did scream. First baby came out sideways, not even a whimper. (laughs) (laughs) Name that movie. I can't think of the movie. Oh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Okay, yeah. Anyway, uh, maybe did not come out sideways. But Julie was born about 5.30, and I remember uh, Sue was incredible through it. And uh, after having been there, you know, all night, Mm -hmm. I ran home to shower. And, of course, I stop at Chili's to have dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Did you bring her anything? Uh, And my face is just beaming. I am so proud of this baby. Mm Mm-hmm. And everyone that would walk by, hey, we had we had a baby. You know, I, I just couldn't stop talking about it. it was eat pretty a chili dog? Uh, no, not a chili dog. You don't eat a chili dog at Chili's. You eat a Tlingor, you eat a Tlingor prize. Oh, I, was, I was thinking of Sonic for some reason. Oh no, Chili's, old timer with cheese, eighty six tomatoes, or a Tlingor pride, which they don't have on the menu anymore, which is a chili burger. Tlingor pride. Tlingor pride. Ooh. It was from the Terlingua Chili Contest every year in Texas. The most famous, if you were going to be the Chili King, you would have to win the Terlingua Chili Cook-Off <laughs> every year. You didn't know that? You no. never heard of Terlingua? And be crowned the Chili King of, of, of Terlingua. Of Terlingua. <laughs> <laughs> uh, were all of the births pretty smooth? Well, we had to have a C-section with Tina, but that was down in mm. South Texas. And um, so I watched that C-section happen, kind of looked over. They have a curtain there where you can't see. And I thought, I'm going to look over the top and see if this nauseates me. And it didn't. So I watched the whole thing. It was fascinating. Man. And I thought I had heard that if one uh, one C-section happens, everyone after that has to be a C-section as well. Well, you know, because I'm so acquainted with women's issues. Yeah, of course. uh, There's uh, it's called a VBAC, vaginal birth after cesarean. And Sue had two VBACs. Well, I mean. They, the last two kids were right. natural birth. And so, yeah, she's a hero, man. She's superwoman. Man, that's impressive. And and Tina continues to be all kinds of special. The only C-section <laughs> baby. The only non-Dallas baby. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the middle child. Middle child. That's, uh, you know, I'm a middle child. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my favorite memes is, um, today is middle child day. Of course, no one noticed. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Yeah. And you're a middle child of four, which almost doesn't count. There's it does count kids. because in birth order uh, science, uh, the third born out of four really does have the middle child symptoms. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, well, well Tina, Tina's true blue. She's, you know, she's three out of five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is exact middle. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, let's talk about the psychology of crisis, yeah. John. <laughs> well, I, that's actually kind of applicable. Yeah, I clearly uh, made a lot of friends with women in this story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you only know what you know. You've that's only true. Been with, with one woman giving birth. So. And I and she's heroic. She's yeah. epic. So That's pretty impressive. It tough, is. Tough lady. She is. She is. Okay. I, yeah. Never mind. I've <laughs> say some more things to get me in more I'll, trouble. I'll I have learned in my lifetime, hmm. when you find yourself in a hole, just put the shovel down. Put the shovel down. Yeah. yeah. There you go. All right. So maybe you could dig all the way through to the other side and come out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, uh, the thing is, um, when we're in a crisis, things begin to psychologically change in us. And these happen. Your body chemistry starts to change. If you find yourself in trying times, for example, you, mm-hmm. your heart rate changes, uh, your adrenaline flow changes. Um, you begin to have these fight or flight responses. 
Um, so your body's going through stuff. And then meanwhile, depending on um, how you normally process information, that all is being pushed. And so the goal is for us in this episode to talk about the real challenges that, that we're all experiencing as we go through this season of having our lives disrupted by this mm-hmm. virus. Many people have lost jobs. We've lost control. We can't gather as a church. We can't, you know, a lot of people have shut their businesses down for a yeah. period of time. Yeah, if you have a small business, especially if you opened up recently around this time. Oh, can you imagine? Man. My favorite pizza joint nearby is uh, uh, Brewery City Pizza in Tumwater. I thought it was Figaro's. Figaro's is good, but I just had Brewery City with the seniors uh, just before. So so if you don't know, that building burned. Mm-hmm. And then they took forever to rebuild it. They opened it again, and five days later had to close because of COVID. Oh. But I got in there in those five days, and the pizza was ridiculous. Well, but good. here you go. They go through all that work to rebuild the restaurant. Yeah, and then this. And then, bam, five days, and they close it. Well, they don't do, they're not doing takeout or nothing? I think they are. Okay, I was going to say, pizza specifically should be specifically well positioned for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I want to ask you some questions. Well, sure. sure. As you go through COVID, mm-hmm. you're going through this, what have been your experiences? How are you feeling having, you know, the the continuing data going on Mm -hmm. the news reports your own change of lifestyle i mean you're you're confined to 900 and what what is it 900 square feet Uh, oh yeah i think it's actually it's less than that um about 800 700 square feet it's a small place i wish i could tell you it's a small place and so you're confined there with the love of your life Mm -hmm. there are worse things yeah uh you haven't been fighting more than normal. You guys don't fight. No, we fight, but uh, but not more than normal. Uh, and and we probably fight different than than a lot of people. Not a whole lot of you know, not a whole lot of yelling in our fighting. But uh, it's been. I feel a little bit like the guy eating potato chips while his wife's giving birth. A little bit, you know. I feel like the world's kind of having like this meltdown. Yeah. And uh, and I've been extremely fortunate. Um, uh, my job was on the essential jobs list, so I'm kind of a kind, kind of, of a big, big deal, deal yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and my job can be done remotely, so uh, mostly, uh, mostly remotely. Uh, I'm still going in uh, roughly once or twice a week. So let me ask you this: So, so okay, well, well, well just just yeah. that that um, and and Lindsay, her job has also been uh, uh, she's been able to continue. Yeah, so you're hours. not experiencing job loss? No, no financial issues, and uh, and it's just been it's it's pretty surreal. But um, with both of us being as fortunate as we are, and we uh, just so happen to enjoy spending a lot of time with each other, we haven't gotten mm-hmm. sick of each other yet. Um, it's been it's been a surreal it's been surreal how calm it's been in this um, unprecedented modern That's interesting. crisis. Yeah. So again, I want to give credit to Dr. Henry Cloud who put this whole thing together. I really like the guy. Um, but here's one of the one of the big ideas is that whenever uh, people go into a crisis uh, their entire system registers an alarm that something is wrong and it's not going to get fixed fast hmm. and so what you have to do is you have to reset your entire system so that you're able to function and can adapt so one of the things he says is important is to name the issue out loud this is a crisis this is bad and everything has changed yeah as you describe the crisis that the way you see it from your chair, obviously everybody's going to see it a little differently mm-hmm. for some, my job just shut down. And now I got to figure out money. 
Yeah, and something like what, like sixty percent of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck or something. Oh, hi- way higher than that. Higher than that? Yeah, eighty percent of Americans do not have the financial wherewithal to survive a nine hundred dollar emergency. Man, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And, so when uh, you talk about it, though, when you think about yeah. it in your own mind, what are the issues out loud? What What are the crisis high points that you say, man, this this is the situation I'm facing? Yeah. Well, it was kind of a, and I think almost everybody had to go through this, where it was a the growing pains of of recognizing that this is not a um, this isn't a a one off. You know, we have reading the news, you would think every other week there's a crisis of this scale because everything is so important. Mm. Yeah, these Australia fires, you had, um, well, now I'm struggling to think of examples. You have, you have uh, uh, catastrophes, uh, uh, tornadoes, hurricanes, shootings. You, sure. All the time. So, uh, and this you got is, the Russians messing with the elections. Right. And yet this was just when it popped up in my, you know, news feed <clears> or whatever, <throat> another thing. And so the growing pains from, oh, this might be real to, oh, this is real to, Oh, this is going to be going on for months. That kind of cycle um, uh, was was really the, the one of the main challenges of going from this is nothing to um, we're going to be living a new way for a while now. So mm-hmm. so and and uh, acknowledging that instead of um, you know plugging yours up and 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 putting your hand head in the sand or whatever, acknowledging that, saying that out loud. Maybe I didn't do that personally, but but the same concept of acknowledging. The crisis. One of the instincts we have, I think, is to not talk about it. Yeah. That if I say it out loud, it's worse. Hmm. And so it's counterintuitive to realize saying it out loud actually is better. For sure. It takes the boogeyman out of the closet. It turns the light on and you start to realize, okay, it is bad, but it's not that bad. Yeah. And so. Well, well, really, it's it's uh, you can't. You're you're helpless until you acknowledge it as it is. Right. You know, you don't even have you have tools at your disposal. So even when you uh, not acknowledge the crisis is is really just tying your hands together and Mm. you you can't do anything about it because you're keeping your eyes closed. And once you have the information, you have tools to to really get through this. Okay. Yeah. I want to parenthetically say that um, because none of us, you and me, our families have not uh, in our immediate. I'm talking about you and your wife, me and my wife. Sure. Have not experienced uh, the economic impact. We have not lost jobs at this point. We have not taken pay cuts. We've not experienced this. That we right, we want to right off the bat say some of you listening have experienced way more um, pain mm-hmm. in this process than perhaps we have. Yeah, and we don't have anyone uh, immediately around us who's been sick either. With, I've with, got I've with, got friends who have it. And, okay, and they are recovering, um, but I don't have I have not lost anyone a friend of mine to this yet. I'll have friends who have. Uh, but the point is that, that as you talk about, one of the things you, you do is you want to talk out loud about what has changed. What's bad? You know, to, to say, man, I can't just, I can't go sit at, at a restaurant or a Starbucks and just be with a friend. I can't, I can't sit with someone I like and talk face to face. I can't gather with my church and worship together. Yeah. Uh, I can't, um, I, I'm not supposed to even have a gathering of any size, so I can't even have people over for game night. Mm-hmm. Um, sports have all stopped. I don't get to watch the Major League Baseball opening day is come and gone. Um, you know, bam, 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 bam. All these things that are happening, and then there would be some that are even more painful uh, that are more disruptive. And to just talk about them out loud and to own them is a very powerful uh, first step. For sure. 
Then he talks about this. This is a, I found this really interesting about the the way that we're structured as human beings, the way that we are designed, that we have these infrastructures that shape how we function. And so one of the things we want to do is help build that infrastructure on rock rather than on sand. Mm. So uh, there's uh, five of these um, systems. One of them, the first one is the Connectedness Foundation. Um, that is that how deeply we feel connected or our hearts knit together. And the crisis disrupts this, uh, because we're now separated. That sense that we're connected is harder to achieve. Sure. Where has that affected you anywhere? Oh yeah. How so? Um, even just in my, in my work, um, uh, reaching people is very, very difficult now because they're, those office lines are not going anywhere. You know, it's just, it's, uh, everyone's at home. Mm-hmm. And, um, a lot of people I talk to are in, um, municipalities. That's different. They, mm-hmm. they often have more structure there, but, um, it's, 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 and, and it's almost the inverse personally. So personally, everyone's actually very accessible because no one's all that, um, busy. Uh, they're less busy. Right. Right. So getting a hold of people, or like I said, in our last, um, um, COVID episode that, um, people are probably more willing to talk for a long time on the phone. Um, but it's, it's totally different ball game. You know, I, I try and meet, uh, roughly once a week or hopefully two or three times a month for coffee with some friends. And, uh, it's just not, uh, it's just not possible now. It, in fact, this, it's, this could be worse generationally mm-hmm. because your generation is really more comfortable connecting, feeling connected through technology than, mm. than mine. Sure. So how has this affected you? Well, I, I think that um, we did a thing, you know, a, a little while back where we had a family game night over Zoom. Mm-hmm. And so our family, you know, we're all over the place. And it was pretty cool to uh, all be able to see each other's facial expressions. And so um, I think I think the, the point of this Connectedness Foundation is – that a big part of your foundation in life is to be connected, that you're not drifting and disconnected, you know? Sure. And so to, so part of uh, a wise thing to do during a crisis is to keep finding ways to make sure, you know, that connection is there Yeah. Um, with God, you know, be connected to your church online, uh, be a part of, if you're in a small group, do that through zoom, uh, family, zoom meetings, friends, FaceTime uh, for you, video gaming, and doing live video gaming with, with your brother. Yeah. With or, Tim. Yeah. Uh, you know, those give you that sense of connection, but that foundation gets shaken when my sense of connectedness is taken from me. Yeah, for sure. The second one is the, the frame, which is the, the structure or routines that calm people down because we know what's coming when we have a routine, things are predictable, but the crisis has blown our routine, our structures out of the water. We don't have meetings the way we normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, our workflow has been changed. Um, so this creates uh, a disruption. What would you think about? Uh, I think you talked about this a little bit. Even today, you were telling me about your uh, calisthenics. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And even the notion. Talk about that notion of uh, um, you called it um, drifting time or something what'd you call uh, it? stop gaps stop gaps talk talk about that yeah so uh well first off this is way more me this this one about structure and routine routine is like my favorite thing i just 
revel in routine like a pig in mud it's <laughs> i love it so anytime uh the routine is disrupted yeah yeah it is, and it's even when i was a kid with like snow days i enjoyed them but it it hurt to lose the routine and uh so in a lot of again super fortunate to still have the routine i still you know work and and not work at around the same times even when i'm working at home um but in other ways it's it's uh totally messed up the thing with the stop gaps and the idea that we touched on a few weeks ago about the opportunities provided by this is the opportunity of a shaken routine. So the parts of my routine that actually were not very fruitful in the first place, more very, very productive mm-hmm. where, uh, um, with all this time on my hands, basically I would, uh, the stop gaps would be, say I have like five hours to go. So if I finish work, eat some dinner and I have maybe five ish hours until, you know, around bedtime and I'm thinking, well, what do I do now? And while I think that I turn on my phone to go to Instagram and I'm there for 30 minutes or I put on The Office on Netflix, mm. and that you know that Netflix. Uh, uh, are it you, starts that next episode with two seconds. Or yeah, yeah, it gets shorter and shorter all the time. It's crazy. <laughs> Sometimes for mo- for movies, I love sitting through the credits to kind of digest. I can't even do that with Netflix. It's like right. it's like just all right on to the next one. And anyway, uh, so this, those are stop gaps to making decisions. So even in so you could end up losing the whole five hours to just with just stop gaps, just stop gaps. So. Uh, my resolution was even in entertainment, I will make decisions. So I'll decide I want to watch this movie or I want to read this book or play this game instead of can't not deciding, instead flipping through drifting. Netflix for an hour, yeah. looking for something or just going on your phone or just playing something to have in the background and more productively, uh, saying no for this chunk of time, I will do this. So, uh, writing a blog for our website, uh, or, um, engaging a, a more creative hobby. I'm going to. Uh, draw a picture or or try and take up knitting or play my instrument instead of just kind of drifting through this right. this time that we all have now this um this these bigger and bigger chunks of free time where you you cannot leave the house so uh that that was a recent aha that actually has worked pretty pretty well for me including exercise which uh yeah so yeah. so dr cloud said that when we lack the connectedness foundation and when we lack the structure the frame of a routine and a schedule that what happens is um, our system goes into adrenaline overload. This is really interesting. Hmm. And everything amps up. So one of the theories I've had, and it's proving true, is that whatever you have in your home when COVID began, you're going to have more of it. So if you have harmony, you're going to have more harmony. But if you have conflict, it's going to amp up. And what happens is your adrenaline amps up. And anytime adrenaline amps up, it makes dealing with things more complicated because you lose the ability of critical thinking and your imagination goes wild. Hmm. So this is physiologically what's going on to you just because you've lost that foundational connection and you've lost the structure. So sure, this is the part of the COVID world that many of us don't uh, realize are going on. I was talking to a couple who've just been fighting with each other like crazy during COVID. Mm-hmm. And I said, the thing is, this is what's happening to you. You've got adrenaline overload. You've got too much chaos. And so it's aggravating. Each of you are aggravated, more anxious, more stressed, and it's causing conflict in the home. So Yeah, and especially if you had uh, conflict already and then what something insane <clears throat> percentage of, of marital conflict is about money. So then if either of you or both of you. Oh, man, you, know, you take away the paychecks, yeah. which in that couple, both paychecks have been taken. Yeah, and then it's just it's a. A perfect storm. Perfect storm. So one of the things he says about human, human beings is that human beings are control freaks. And in a crisis, you've lost control of so many things or choices 
and your choices have changed or been minimized Mm -hmm. and limited. So uh, what we do, what we buy, where we go, when we go there, et cetera, et cetera. So people go into a learned helplessness, which is an idea that is no matter what I do, it isn't going to matter. Gotcha. And that's the, that's the the negative thing. That's the that's the natural drift of this psychology kind of, of I forfeit. Yes. Thing, yeah. Yeah. It's all spun out of control. So now everything must be out of control. And what we do is we give up our God ordained design to have control. Uh, God gave us, you know, fruit of the spirit is self-control. Mm-hmm. And so this is what God wants us to do is to exercise self-control. But we start losing any inspiration to do that because we believe that the whole world's out of control. And therefore, I have no control. Sure. And it can bring a, a powerlessness. Well, that's interesting because my <clears throat> my initial response to that one was going to be the realization that control to an extent is kind of an illusion that in a lot of ways you don't have control. You have control over yourself and mm-hmm. your and your actions and your responses to the things you don't have control with, the yeah. things that are chaotic. Um, but the the realization that um, that a lot of the world you interact with is just kind of balancing on, 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 on a form of chaos. I don't know if that is at all, probably not encouraging at all to a lot of people. But, but again, the opportunity here to r- realize, uh, hey, I really only have control over, over my well, response. Yeah, the truth is we do have um, less control than we wish we had. Right. And now that's even more real. Mm-hmm. But what we do then as a response is to help ourselves is to is to confess the control we've lost. This is, again, where saying it out loud is actually helpful. So to to bemoan to one another, man, we can't even blank. Hmm. We don't get to blank anymore. You know, we don't get to go to the beach. I mean, even now, uh, I wanted to take my grandson to, uh, to Water Falls. Tumwater Falls is closed. Parks are closed. So even you're, you're losing control over even your leisure time. Right. So to say those things out loud is a, is a really helpful thing. But then also then to decide, well, what do I have control over? And start to make a list of all the things I can control. I can control what time I go to bed, what time I get out of bed. I can control getting a shower. I can control uh, preparing myself for the day. I can control my time. And in fact, that actually that point of, of controlling your time and especially your free time, now that you have more time under your own um, hand, sovereignty, yeah. yeah, then actually you have more control over the actual hours of your life for the next who knows how long. Yeah. So that is another opportunity. Which the last uh, system he talks about is the competency system that hmm. accomplishing things brings um, power. Gotcha. And so uh, when we when we are competent, when we ac- accomplish things and get things done, it actually is very powerfully rewarding and empowering to the self. Well, so it's important to keep finding ways to achieve competency, uh, doing things that matter, that build on each other, because it's very easy. What did you call those gaps of time? Stop gaps. You can stop gap your whole day away. If your company closed down or you lost your job, you literally could stop gap your entire day. And all that's going to do is lead you into further bouts with depression. Yeah. And I don't know if that word is worth anything. That's the one that came to mind for whatever reason. But basically, it's 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 not solving the problem is the idea that it's just uh, it's to to ease the torture of not knowing what you're going to do for the next hour. I'm just going to distract myself. That's the 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 main idea. But you're right that uh, um, that productivity. And that's why we talk about creative hobbies and deliberate action, even if the action is entertainment, the deliberateness mm-hmm. or deliberation, 
either whatever it is intentionality intentionality yeah helps and then the actual feeling of of productivity with creative hobbies or uh or filling that time with more work if you have more work to do yeah so here's some tips on how to handle some of this from henry cloud so here's a variety of tips uh the first one do healthy practices tell everyone and then enforce it because when you tell people it has you a little higher level of accountability mm. so you told us today about your uh calisthenics sure and how uh, i want to be clear i've told people that i had done calisthenics before and they thought it was like yoga or something and they thought it was very funny oh no we're no. talking about squats and yeah military and, does calisthenics just body weight exercises is all yeah that. yeah squats push-ups you yeah know, that stuff and um you know i'm not going to talk about how long you lasted or how sweaty you got or how hard it was but well it's important you that you did a, it you can't keep a smile <laughs> off your face when you're talking about my calisthenics so <laughs> okay so uh do some healthy practices, tell people about them, be an example to others, uh, but also uh, finding ways to be connected. So, um, man, get people together and talk. One of the things they're saying is we need more connection, not less. So mm. even though we're separated by distance, we don't need the same amount of connection we needed when we had proximity. We need more. And so it's really important that you not spend entire days not talking to anybody outside your house. Yeah. And one of the things I realized actually was because of being with my spouse and uh, without having the kids uh, is that uh, I may be in a prime position to not fully understand the struggles that other people are having. Mm. If you're a bachelor and you're or a bachelorette and you're quarantined alone, uh, or if you have kids and you're just losing your mind in this in this crazy chaotic home, yeah. I might be in a in a prime position to actually be having a. <laughs> A much better time than some people. So forgive me if I'm not taking. Well, this and as, you're introverted, so you you actually enjoy some of this. Yeah, I do. It it definitely is. Uh, but the disruption to the life and the concern about where's the economy going to go, where's unemployment going to peak? There's yeah. a lot of stress there, and even the, the, even if you're introverted. The loss of freedom. Yeah, uh, and uh, and I really do. Even as an introvert, I do enjoy spending time with people, and that is uh, and that is. Uh, not an option. Yeah. One of the things he highly recommends is have some fun. I think humor is going to be really important. Uh, my favorite meme so far was uh, it said day four of, of quarantine. And he's he's it's a man and wife in their apartment. He's walking around with a broom like a trombone. and He's playing trombone music really loud in the house. <laughs> and she reaches over and grabs a cookie sheet and just bangs herself in the face <laughs> with it over and over again. Uh, humor is really, really important. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of uh, this battle of powerlessness. So um, we we end up feeling, because there's no control, you also feel powerless to have a life that you really want. And so it's important to reinforce the power you do have to make decisions, to take action, to create structures, and to uh, make a difference. Yeah, and again, the, the uh, opportunity you have to exercise more um, sovereignty over your own time right now. Yeah. yeah. So I found some interesting things from the Q and a that people were allowed to send questions in and he answered them. And oh, one nice. of the, one of the questions was, um, I'm lacking drive. How do I combat that? Hmm. And his answer was a loss of connectedness can cause depression, appetite changes, sex drive, sleep patterns. And so when things are affecting you that you can't control, um, you, they, it gets personal you you feel like you're not worth much. Hmm. It gets pervasive. Everything goes negative and it gets permanent because you think it's never going to change. Hmm. And so the way out is to focus on what you can control 
and get active, get moving. And uh, if necessary, call your doctor. So that's a. Well, that and that reminds me of actually um, last week we talked about, you know, perspective um, in the, the grand scheme of things. And that that feeling of this is never going to end the from the perspective of in the, the pit. Yeah. Uh, to remember that, um, that, of course, this will end. We were, life was not always like this and life will not always be like this. Yeah. And uh, and to kind of keep that attitude going through. Yeah. One person asked, uh, it feels like there's no positive outcome to my situation. It's getting worse and worse. How do I get my emotions out of this emotional rut? And his answer was that if you're feeling that way, you're probably in a cocoon. So reach out, connect with someone who can lift you up and infuse you with some energy. Uh, He talked about doing spiritual practices, uh, reflection and prayer and worship and praise. Uh, The scripture says he has given us um, uh, a, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Um, you're kind of sinking into a negative spiral. So connecting is really, really important. So don't isolate, get out of that spiral. And again, if necessary, you might need some treatment, call somebody. Hmm. Matthew chapter six, don't worry about anything. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you again. So there is something bigger. We talked about this in our last episode, that even in a crisis, even in pain, there's something bigger we're living for. There's a larger uh, overarching story of God. Latch into that and find your bigger moment. Yeah, for sure. Last thing I would say is uh, how to talk to your kids. Uh, if you have hmm. kids, they're out of school. Their world is disrupted. And they're not sure what all is going on in this adult world that would shut their, you know, a lot of them would just be yeah. excited they don't have to go to school. Um, I probably would be. <laughs> so he says the smaller they are, guard and protect your child or children for what they're not mature enough to handle. The smaller the kid, the less they need to know about the world being disrupted. Hmm. Teenagers basically... Um, talk about everything we just talked about about how you feel loss of control how you feel loss of competency how you feel less structure and get them to talk about how they're feeling what they think and what are some tactical practices that they could put in play to change their own life yeah this one i obviously um, can't speak to as much but it seems to be that a prevailing theme is that more Communication is better than less communication in in the general sense. And that's always true unless the communication you're about to spew is so emotionally hijacked and and um, angry Mm -hmm. that it's better to keep your mouth shut. Right. Generally, more communication is always better. One last thought here. Um, He he says you want to make sure that you limit the news. Don't just stream Mm -hmm. the news all day long. And keep showing the news. It'll especially if you have kids, um, and then with kids also share the time that you've had a crisis before and you emerged from it. Oh, and nice. that's something you can yeah. even do for yourself. You know, yeah. The one with the news is tricky because it's like you want to stay informed, um, but man, just like just soaking that in all the time only does. You know, just it, it's that. Uh, um, what do you say? Breaking the cocoon. It becomes its own cocoon. Of just the constant stream of uh, of bad news, it does, and 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 fortunately, news services are fighting for ratings because everybody's home watching TV, so they're yeah. gonna they're gonna dramatize everything even more to get you to choose that that thing. Yeah, and maybe seek out 
the good news because it may not get as much clicks, but there's a lot of cool stuff going on right now of just communities uh, banding together to do really crazy things. What are, um, what are some, I've got a couple that I've noticed lately. What are some you've seen that, that you yeah, thought were awesome? Well I, well, I wrote a story on this, um, uh, on Sandstone Distillery in Tonino. Oh, yeah. On, uh, they've halted all production of, of um, spirits to do full hand sanitizer production during the shortage. So, And they actually, a bunch of other breweries, uh, are helping them. So like this, uh, I think, what's it called? Fish Brewery in Olympia? I forget their name. But they had a bunch of uh, Riesling wine that they were going to ferment into brandy. And they decided they didn't want to do that. So they sent all the wine down to Sandstone, and they uh, have used all that to make more hand sanitizer. Wow, that's cool. Because it takes them a week to make, to produce enough you know, mash and stuff right, to, to, right. make, to have the, the material to make alcohol. And this reasoning saved them all that time. Uh, the Confederated Tribes sent them some uh, glycerin, to, which is a product that they needed for the hand sanitizer. Uh, very, very cool. In fact, the the hand sanitizer from the Riesling smells like Riesling, which is kind of funny. They, mm. they don't scent it on their own, but it kind of... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's so just crazy, yeah, communities coming together all over the place to uh Yeah, I saw fix uh, recently where a bunch of uh, believers went in their cars, and they all parked in the hospital parking lot and mm. just started praying over the patients in the hospital, praying over the first responders, praying over the doctors and nurses. Sure, without breaking any spacing yeah, rules. Yeah, they, they or, stayed in their cars, yeah. and, and they were all there for that purpose at that time. I thought that was a great idea. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, let's do our commercial break, and then I'll come back with four final tips from Henry Cloud on how to move forward during the season of crisis. Sounds good. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right. Thanks uh, for your support and for your love and, and for being part of this with us. We're really grateful. Yeah, just by listening. We, we really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Four tips. You ready? Mm-hmm. Number one, create two columns on a legal pad. One is things you're in control of, and one is things you're not in control of. Mm. And make the two lists. And just getting clarity about that is going to bring a lot of calm to your world, and it'll help you see how much sovereignty you still have. Yeah. And honestly, this can be kind of a, uh, for me, and I I work different than some people, uh, but this can be a, a form of uh, release where, where yeah. I feel uh, responsible for a lot. Mm. And you can actually, that whole column of things you can't control, it's, a, it's two sides of the coin. You can't control it, and you're also not responsible for it. Man, that's a great insight, John. Yeah, to just, to just let, go, let go of that pressure on you where there's nothing you can do, let it go, and only focus on what you can control. That is, that's a genius insight about all times in our life because we waste a ton of energy feeling responsible for or guilty for mm-hmm. or stressed over things we absolutely cannot control. Exactly. It's like worrying. You know, they say uh, 90, what is it? 95% of the things you worry about will never happen. Right. Exactly. 
uh, and 5% of the things that are that, that you worry about. No, no, no. 90% of the things you worry about never will happen. 5% of the things you worry about will happen, but there's not a thing you can do to stop it. Mm-hmm. And, and the then other five. 5% you actually can control. Yeah. So 100% of your worry, you only got 5% of sovereignty anyway. Right. And so it's a waste. It's a traumatic waste of energy. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, item number two, practice. I love, I love this idea. Uh, practice healthy compartmentalization. Hmm. Limiting yourself to worrying about things you're not in control of for five to ten minutes. So you say to yourself, you're freaking out about something. I'm stressed out about this. I can't control it. You know, I lost my job or whatever's coming. Give yourself five to ten minutes to worry yourself sick about it (laughs) and then turn it off. Huh. I don't know if I have that ability. Yeah. You set a timer. Yeah, I guess. You know, um, I I speak for a living on Sundays. Mm Mm-hmm. And you would think after all these years that I would stop being anxious about it. Sure. Number one fear of humankind is public speaking. And uh, I still am a, I am no fun to be around on Saturday nights because of the stress of it. Uh And it used to be the whole day Saturday when you guys were little, you know, I would, it would ruin my whole Saturday. Really? Yeah. But I did this compartmentalizing thing. I would tell myself I'm not allowed to think about Sunday morning till Saturday at five. And so I would just, anytime it tried to enter my head, nope, not till five o'clock at five o'clock. I'll worry about that because I knew at five o'clock, I still had enough time and I wouldn't ruin everybody's day. I would just ruin their night. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I just don't have that kind of self-control for me. When I try not to worry about something, it's like when you see something in your peripheral vision and it's like, you know, it's there, Like you can feel it there. I don't know. I thought you were going to say like, don't think of pink elephants. And now all you can think about is pink elephants. Well, that too, but it's just like, it feels (laughs) like a, it's a little, it's very oppressive. Um, yeah, things like that. Maybe try it. I, yeah. I doubt if you've ever set a timer. No, you're said, right. I'm going to worry about this for five minutes, and when this timer goes <laughs> off, I'm not. Yeah, I've never tried that. It'd be interesting to try it. Tell me what you think. Uh, idea number three: actively engage in what you do have control over. So, as you did those two lists, mm-hmm. pick the things you have control over. Take one or two of those and do something to actively engage one of those. Yeah, nice. Okay, last tip. Work on how to best use the white space you've been given during this season. Now, this you already talked about. Sure. You can drift through it and waste two hours on Facebook. You can flip through the catalogs of Netflix and Amazon Prime and, you know, Mm -hmm. on demand and all that. Spend an hour trying to decide what to watch. Um, Instead, decide how am I going to use this time I have. And I am a big fan of if even if you're not a schedule person, typically make sure. your, make yourself a schedule. Yeah, and this isn't to say uh, like we we talked about um, where your whole schedule with downtime and all and everything can be honoring to God just by the fact that it is healthy in its in its um, portions and in its in its margins. So and you can be proud of it, right? So don't feel like you have to fill all your waking hours with productivity and creativity just to to squeeze the juice out of this time. Yeah. You don't have to change the whole world. Right. But just that you um, are intentional about it and you don't feel bad about yourself is the the main goal. My my friend David said, uh, I I have a prophetic word from God for you. Oh, wow. He says, yes, yes. Take a shower. (laughs) (laughs) I have another one. The Lord says, yes, three days in those sweats is enough change clothes (laughs) that one has been tricky we did our list uh i put on i put on jeans two of the two of the four days i worked around this week Mm. i didn't put on jeans 
two of the four days of work from home. I definitely felt worse about myself the other two days. Yeah. Uh, but it's hard sometimes because you're just going to sit in the living room, you know? Yeah. But if you do that on purpose, that's different than just drifting into it. That's true. One of the great powers, one of the things I love about Zoom meetings is I don't have to wear pants. <laughs> well, now you've, now you've let your secret well, go. Well, sometimes I'm wearing pants and sometimes I'm not. I like having the freedom to choose. But the point is choosing, not just drifting. Sure. You didn't just roll out of bed, put on a button-up shirt, and open your Zoom camera. You, you decided to not wear pants. Exactly. Or I decided today I'm wearing pants. <laughs> gotcha. All right, John. You have any big takeaway for yourself from all this conversation? Yeah. And it, it closely mirrors the our last um, COVID episode. But the big, really, I think the big simple idea is just intentionality um, and uh, and really assessing things. So So be aware of the problems. Don't just drift through the problems. Um, be aware of the time that you have in the day uh, that you that you can manipulate and don't just kind of face through it. Intentionality, especially in a time as ambiguous as this, where mm-hmm. um, without with your routine, which mm-hmm. you've been, had ironed into you for however long you've had it, um, there requires less intentionality because it's it has that very rigid structure. And in this time of, you know, of chaos, you need that intentionality. You 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 can't reach the same levels of control that you had with yeah. your skeleton of a system without that you're you know you know uh squids don't have veins they're, where did that come from with the idea of a skeleton in the system they, mm. their blood just pumps through their whole body without veins really yeah it's crazy that's why so it's like that you you, you need some form of control you can't just be a, a squid about it <laughs> that's so, really so don't be a squid don't be a squid about it be a be a human be a crustacean even i think they have they have veins maybe not i doubt they have veins actually maybe most fish don't anyway that's my that's my 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 big point yeah does that make sense yeah i think my big takeaway is that we are control freaks and when when control has been taken from us it disrupts everything yeah and so uh, finding ways to take control back would be a really smart response um to exercise some control. And especially if you do have um, anxiety issues, that list might be the first thing I'd, I would recommend for you to do, the the, the two columns. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, we hope this has been helpful to you. As always, uh, reach out to us. Give us uh, episode suggestions and feedback. We would love to have it. Please. Info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John. No H in the John. And you can follow us on Instagram. Private message us there if you'd like. And, uh, and yeah, we love hearing from you guys. And, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you.